Hey guys, John Paulamy here, Actionable Intelligence. Today is Sunday, December 26th, and this is the weekly market update. Uh, actually, I was going to release this tomorrow, but I'll probably release it later on today on Christmas. Um, but anyway, this will probably this is going to be the last weekly market update for 2021. And I just want to say a couple things. First of all, Merry Christmas. I uh, want to wish everyone Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. And just want to say how grateful I am and thankful for the viewership. You guys really have been uh, super this year. The channel now is over 8,000 subscribers. We're regularly getting well over 3,000 views per episode on something I just started on a lark about three years ago. Uh, some of you have commented that you think this is one of the better channels on YouTube and you're shocked why we don't get more visibility, why we don't get more viewers or viewership. But I think that's partly because, you know, I don't sugarcoat things. I'm not, uh, for example, I got one of the comments last week was, you know, I agree with what you're saying, but I don't like how you say it. You know, that's that's kind of like the orange man bad. I don't like your tone. Well, I don't like how you call some people stupid or some ideas stupid or or you criticize. Let me explain this a little bit again. You know, this is primarily a financial channel, but I'm not beholden to some investment committee or a boss or somebody that's looking over my shoulder that's going to pull the plug on my deal. Uh, I don't have a deal. I'm just a guy on the internet giving his views. I'm just a private investor, somebody that has been doing this a long time. I made tremendous amount of mistakes early in my career. And all I'm trying to do, all I've ever tried to do is just um, make people aware of the mistakes that I made so that they can avoid them themselves. Um, this is a very difficult game, making money in these markets, especially so nowadays with all of the interference and governments and sticking their nose in things and the crookery and the shenanigans and everything else that goes on. And so I don't feel I have to sugarcoat things. I don't feel that I have to, you know, um, tell you a bedtime story. This is for keeps. We're playing for keeps. This is big boy ball here. And uh, these people that are you're competing against in the markets, these people in government, these people in these large corporations, they're playing for keeps, all the marbles. And so I'm going to tell things the way I perceive them. That doesn't mean that you're going to agree with me. There's plenty of people that have been long-term viewers, people that I respect their views. They comment regularly. They reach out to me. We don't agree on certain things. That's perfectly normal. That's, there's no way that every human would agree 100% with every other human or any other human. The mark of maturity, the mark of an adult, the mark of a thoughtful person is to be able to listen to someone else's ideas. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to agree with them. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you don't have to think, you know, that they're with merit. But listening to other people and then just, if you don't agree, well, then you just say, well, I don't agree. And that's your view, have your view. But it's mind boggling to me that somebody would come on here and say that the, the, the contradictions that people make in their own thought process. And this is kind of reaches back to the biases that I've talked about before. You know, I am invested in energy stocks, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's nice that you 
call people in Europe stupid. I'm not calling the people of Europe stupid. I'm calling the politicians and the tyrannical governments that are imposing this globalist agenda on them stupid. Okay. And we have to mock, we have to meme, we have to do what we have to do to bring these people down. Because as I'm going to indicate again this week in the weekly market update, they're hurting regular people. They're hurting the poor with their policies. Okay. Um, and they're going to continue to cause misery and anguish and, quite frankly, death in the next couple of years with the policies that are being pursued. That might be not a good message for Christmas, but, you know, it is what it is. And if you can't seem to, you know, look at it from that perspective, that's fine. Uh, if you don't want to look at reality for reality, you know, if you're going to raise the the price of natural gas to the equivalent of $250 a barrel and all the fertilizer plants shut down, then there's not going to be enough fertilizer for the industrial level farming that's required to feed the 8 billion people on earth. Consequently, people are going to die. That's pretty stupid to pursue those policies. Uh, so, you know, I think a lot of the issue is not with me in my delivery. It's with people's ability to accept reality. So anyways, I don't want to, don't want to dwell on that. But this is just like an ongoing thing. If you don't like the channel, don't come here. It's not really going to hurt my feelings. The channel continues to grow. We continue to seek out and find like-minded people. And we are filling a niche in the market, I believe, for you know real-time, truthful talk. I'm not trying to play to advertisers. If they throw me off here, I'll just go on to another uh, venue. Uh, I'll continue to do what I'm doing. I'll continue to opine on things based on my experience and my, uh, uh, at least what I think is wisdom gained over 54 years of life. So anyways, uh, again, happy holidays. Uh, Merry Christmas. We're looking forward to a big new year. A uh, little bit of a housekeeping note. I've had several recent subscribers. So if you're listening here and you're a subscriber, and you haven't been getting the newsletter, you should reach out to me and, and talk to me because a lot of people subscribe via PayPal and they don't, the PayPal email address is what's given to me to send the newsletter to. In many cases, that's not the, that's not the email address the person uses every day or wants the newsletter sent to. So I get several undeliverables. So people are paying for the newsletter and not getting it. So if you're one of these people, reach out to me. We'll get it worked out. I don't feel good about taking people's money and then not delivering the service. There's two or three people out there like that. So if you are somebody that subscribed and did not, uh, hasn't been getting the newsletter, um, then reach out to me and we'll get it figured out. Again, there's other people that uh, let their subscriptions lapse. It's not auto renew. I send out an email. Some folks choose to renew, some folks do not. There's a certain amount of churn. Obviously, it's not for everybody. So, uh, you know, if you are interested in subscribing, you can look in the show notes. We have the link to the subscription. All right, that's it for this uh, housekeeping notes. Let me fix these blinds. So the disclaimer, this is not investment advice. This anything you hear or see on this video or podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only. Please do your own due diligence and your own research. It's your money and it's your responsibility. So the European uh, energy crisis continues. We are now seeing um, 
rolling blackouts in the Balkans and Kosovo, which is one of the poorest countries in Europe. Um, we're not really even into just the beginning of the winter. Uh, it looks like from what I saw that the temperatures have eased a little bit and the gas prices have come down. There was an article about uh, this cavalry of LNG tankers leaving the US and going to Europe, but that's not gonna be sufficient to solve the problem. Um, so again, if, if these lower temperatures continue, if the European governments continue to play Escalante with the Russians, um, if they continue to not open Nord Stream 2, then there will be shortages of gas. And as we will indicate further in the in the this week's narrative or news, several, as I've reported before, we have even more reports now of more industrial companies and sectors beginning to shut down because of these blackouts or because of this gas shortage. So uh, the Balkan country, one of Europe's poorest nations, will introduce rolling two-hour blackouts for most consumers from Thursday. This is last Thursday. Electricity distributor KEDS said in a statement, the challenge comes after Serbia was forced to cut electricity to some consumers two weeks ago, and Britain's network operator early this month issued its first supply warning of the winter. So there you have it. Um, this is not going to be a one-year phenomenon unless... And these, unless and until these politicians are stopped and th literally thrown out, you're going to have to go in and throw them out, throw out a lot of the bureaucracy. And if you don't do that, they've got a plan for you. And I've got uh, some more slides. The plan is to restrict your use of fossil fuels and make other changes in your lifestyle that you don't necessarily even know about yet, but are coming down the pipeline. Uh, there's no other way. You know, when, when someone says, let's go to carbon neutral by a certain date, my question is, is how many people are you willing to kill to do that? Because people are going to die. Energy literally is carbon. Uh, and I don't have time to get into this. We've been into it many, many times. Uh, and uh, this just shocks me that uh, the average person just hasn't figured this out yet. And this is why I believe we're in an energy crisis and why I think that uh, energy prices are going to do very, they're gonna be very high this decade, let's put it that way. Here we go, high energy prices affecting industrial production. Europe's factories are shutting down since they can't afford high energy costs. Aluminum Dunkirk Industries France cut production in the past two weeks due to record power rates. And uranium fertilizer producer Azomires temporarily halted output. And so this is the second level, third level ancillary add-on effects of high energy prices, most of which have been induced by poor government policy. And so these are knock-on effects, right? So uh, this is two weeks shut down. So that means the people that they're supplying at uh, aluminum Dunkirk Industries will not be receiving their aluminum. And it just feeds down the supply chain, right? It just uh, trickles down the supply chain and causes further price increases and supply disruptions. And again, I've talked about this before, and one of the things I'll talk about in my 2022 forecast, next week will be my 2022 forecast uh, update for the year, what I think is going to happen, where I'm positioning. Um, I think food prices are going to explode. They're already up 40%, uh, the UN food price index this year, and I think next year is going to be uh, tragic. Uh, I think there's going to be shortages of food. Uh, obviously, I don't think it'll affect so much the developed world because we have the enough wealth to absorb a lot of the costs. 
but a lot of the emerging markets, a lot of the desperately poor people around the world, I think are going to suffer. And so it remains to be seen uh, how bad that will get. But shutting down fertilizer production, uh, you know, is not a good idea. Uh, this is just, these are not just one-offs. We've been reporting on this for weeks now. So this is a thing that uh, I think gives me some um, consolation that people are starting to wake up. Britain's very concerned about high power prices. This was a poll uh, conducted by the Global Warming Power Policy Foundation. It's in the UK. It's a small organization. I suggest you look them up and follow them. They put out a lot of good information. But they conducted a poll. Uh, I don't know how scientific the poll is. I don't know. It's not going to be reported in the mainstream, right? But here's the questions. Are you concerned or unconcerned about the financial impact of increased energy costs this Christmas? 70% are concerned. 27% not concerned. Uh, the next question. This is what I've said all along. Pay attention to this. Would you be willing to pay higher taxes to help reach net zero targets? 58% say no, they're not willing. 34% say that they are willing and 10% don't know. And I've always said that all along. If you ask people if they want clean energy, if they want to deal with pollution, of course they're going to say yes. But when you start putting a number to it, when you start telling them how much it's going to cost, uh, the majority of people are not interested in doing it. Uh, here's another question. Do you feel the public has been given enough or not enough of a say on the government's net zero policies. And 68, 65% say not enough. And uh, that's, of course, true. You have ostensibly this conservative government pushing through these progressive policies, uh, these globalist policies around net zero, these ridiculous things that, that don't have any merit when it comes to physics or engineering or yeah, even a path. People just say they're going to do these things. And uh, it, you see what it's led to. The, the policy institution of these policies has uh, gotten, we've got the cart in front of the horse and you see what's happened. We have an energy crisis in Europe. But I thought this poll was very interesting. Again, I don't know how scientific it is. People will throw barbs at it, but I'm telling you that this is, uh, uh, I'd be interested if any UK listeners, what they think about it in the comments, if they, uh, what their views are on this. So we, we're going we're gonna to compound the problems now that we already have in the UK. I'm picking on the UK this week, by the way, if you haven't noticed. UK may halt new oil and gas licenses under net zero plan. The UK proposed a series of climate change tests to determine whether new oil, gas, and gas fields can be built off its shores, but said its net zero pledge doesn't require the industry to be shut down. And then it goes on to say new projects could potentially still be allowed if they can show that their proposed emissions are less than those that come from importing fossil fuels. The Department for Business, Energy, Industrial Strategy said, I mean, this sounds like something out of like an Ian Rand novel, right? Department for Business, Energy, Industrial Strategy, you know, ostensibly staffed with a bunch of people who have no experience in business, energy, or industrial strategy. Anyways, uh, they that seeks to align fossil fuel production with its target to have a net zero greenhouse gas. You cannot have fossil fuel production and net greenhouse gas emissions. It's impossible. Hydrocarbons are, are carbon. They're carbon and hydrogen molecules. That's what they are. I, I don't understand this. It's never really even been explained. It's just more of this nonsense, 
yabba dabba do abracadabra look over here you know while we stick it in over here it doesn't make any sense and of course all of these politicians will be out of office uh more than likely when all of the tragedy that comes from their policies comes to the forefront department for business energy industrial strategy give me a break so now we have <laughs> i just couldn't help it these are the articles that came up this week guys uk ministers suggest banning private cars new driving proposals which could see the government and car ownership have been attacked been attacked as total madness by drivers mostly in the rural areas right they're these people like in london that ride around in the the subway and have public transportation of course are the ones advocating for this but the headline i'll put a link to the article in the express total madness proposals to end car ownership slammed london bubble has no idea and so this is what's going to happen right the rural people the people in the burbs the people that rely on cars and vehicles to get around they don't have access to public transportation you know this isn't really going to work for them. And uh, I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of pushback, excuse me, um, on these things. I mean, this is just setting itself up for like a populist revolt. I think that was already starting as people's living standards were going down over time. And this whole energy thing is just going to push it over the edge. Uh, I didn't put it in this particular slide deck. I'll put it in the reality check, which will come out tomorrow uh, on Sunday. But uh, just to note, I don't think I put it in this slide deck. No, I didn't. Um, the EU uh, has now approved that the consumption of crickets and mealworms is now fed for human consumption. If you haven't figured out where they're taking you in Europe, folks, uh, that's where they're taking you. There's going to be this oligarchy of technocrats and wealthy people and Klaus Schwabi and his, this is their vision at least, uh, and they're going to run everything. Of course, uh, they'll fly around in private jets and do their little techno technocratic uh you know organization of society and you will be with no car no transportation sitting in your apartment as an information worker i guess and eating crickets and mealworms as china and india burn all the coal they want that's the plan evidently that sounds just terrific if you don't get activated and stop these people uh that's going to be your future they're slowly but surely ratcheting the this down on you saudi oil minister says global output may plunge this decade saudi oil minister says that global output may plunge 30 percent this decade oil production so uh this is my part of the thesis right and uh, under investment in oil uh i would really listen to this guy uh he kind of knows what he's talking about he is the saudi oil minister a lot of people say he's talking his own book insufficient Investment and underinvestment in extractive industries leads to higher prices and price spikes. That is, the, that'll be part of the 2022 forecast that we expect uh, oil prices to to uh, move uh, higher in 2022. This is a slide that I wanted to show a week or two ago that I didn't find it, but this is the slide, right? Energy use. This is why all of these dumb policies are not going to work. You're going to go and tell all these people around the world, three and a half, four billion people, that they can't have what we have. They have to eat mealworms and crickets 
this isn't going to happen. This is the energy use per person in Africa versus a typical American refrigerator. So this is the kilowatt hours of energy usage for an American average refrigerator, which is about 450 kilowatt hours, which is nothing. That's really nothing. Uh, so that's for the year, 450 kilowatts to run your refrigerator. And then here is the energy use per person in these different African countries like Ethiopia, 89 kilowatts, uh, Tanzania, 109 kilowatt hours, goes on Nigeria, and it goes up the line. So even the most energy intensive country, Ghana, the average person there uses electricity than the average American refrigerator. Um, that's why energy is going to continue to be uh, an excellent place to invest over the next several decades. And also why I'm very bullish on Africa long-term from the demographics and the uh, just these type of, they're starting from such a low base on these things. Tremendous, tremendous um, investment opportunity as uh, a middle-class develops in the consumer class. So in the past, I've talked about China's credit impulse. Um, what I find interesting is, is that around this time is when we thought based on the pullback in the um, credit impulse that you can see here in blue, we thought we would see a big plunge in ISM manufacturing and then, which we've seen in the past, right? We, we brought this chart up back in the summer. These things usually have a few month lag. Uh, and what we've seen now is we haven't seen the collapse of commodity prices. Uh, I didn't predict it would happen. I just said, let's keep an eye on it. We saw some softening recently. But what we find interesting here is that China's credit impulse ticked higher in November. So I don't know if they're at the end of their tightening. Um, if this is just a small tick like this, maybe, and we have further to go down, I don't know. It could be, you can see many times where it looked like it might've ticked higher in previous uh, down cycles, but then continued further down. But we are down in the range of when the Chinese have uh, reversed policy. So uh, with all of the things happening there, this would be, this would be tremendously bullish in my view for commodities. Why? Because if we were able to go through this recent pullback in credit, which in the past has led to a very big pullback in commodity prices and industrial manufacturing in China, and we're now at the beginning of a new up cycle in, their, in a new credit cycle, then ostensibly we could see a uh, move higher in a lot of commodities, right? Uh, if you remember during the summer, the Chinese were in the market selling commodities, try to keep the price down. I think with this uh, pullback in the uh, impulse, they were hoping they could drive things down. Things didn't really work out that way because the rest of the world was recovering from the disease that cannot be mentioned. And I think now with this recent variant, if you will, uh, just basically being the common cold, it looks like uh, this thing has went from pandemic to endemic. And if that is the case, then I can see a uh, you know, a more closer return to normal of economic activity. That will be tremendously bullish for energy and other commodities in my view. So um, another thing that we'll talk about in the 2022 uh, forecast video next week, but uh, I thought this was interesting. Uh, we'll have to watch this further, see if this is just a recent phenomenon or if this is going to uh, turn around and start moving higher. In the past, it's, it's usually taken a little bit, you know, a half a year, a year to fully turn around and start moving um, higher. But, uh, you know, with all the things happening in China, 
maybe this is the case, especially after the Winter Olympics, we could see uh, them to turn their industrial production back on and get going again. So be interesting to see. Uh, we have to juxtapose this against a tightening trend in the West and many other countries, emerging markets, where people have been raising rates lately or tightening up policy. Um, we'll have to watch. I, I don't want to get too much into macroeconomics. I haven't really been very good at forecasting that, but it's something to keep an eye on. That's, that's all I'm saying. I uh, wanted to point this out. Uh, here's cobalt. The, you know, electric vehicles are going to be the big thing. Cobalt prices making three-year high. We're up at uh, 70,000, 70,500 a ton for cobalt, uh, basically almost doubling since the summer. Uh, the all-time high, I think, was around 90,000 tons. I'm not saying we're going back there, but if we're going to go with uh, battery-powered vehicles, um, we don't have enough cobalt, and that's a problem. I know a lot of manufacturers are trying to get away from cobalt, but at, to this point, the battery technology that is most prevalent does not allow for that. Let's put it that way. And so we will see, uh, that's why this Build Back Better thing and all these other things that uh, these governments are uh, trying to force through have the potential to be very inflationary. If you're going to mandate you know, electric vehicles and charging stations and more and more, um, rebuildable so-called renewable energy you know is the production capacity there in the materials there so that you don't have a you know rise in prices and so that's exactly what this next article is talking about inflation adds to the cost of clean energy transition energy companies have to spend more to build solar and wind farms for the first time in years because of cost inflation and supply chain problems i've talked about that in my own uh business what's happening we're having to wait on panels they just uh, uh keep getting pushed out adding a financial speed bump to the switch from fossil fuels clean energy projects are exposed to inflation in old school commodity markets by their dependence on materials such as silicon and copper old school commodity the, the whole thing's based on things dug out of the ground if you don't dig it out of the ground or grow it you don't have it i've said that before what do they think? They just snap their fingers as some new technology where you don't need copper for a generator. I mean, the lack of knowledge around this whole thing is what's going to make us tremendously rich. The wholesale price of solar panels has risen 19% in Europe this year, according to this guy, taking them to levels from late 2018. Prices remain about a third below where they stood five years ago. So why is this so? Well, because of the energy input to make polysilicon, right? If the price of energy goes up, then the price of the end product goes up. See, people have this fantasy that they've created in their mind. It's pretty much prevalent in a lot of circles of people, especially of your government officials who are just dumb and don't know what's going on. Uh, and your tech bros that are like Elon Musk people uh, that follow him, you know, your tech bros that believe everything can be and you know, various, you know, Karens out in the uh, suburbs that are environmentalists or think they are or greenwash corporations that, you know, had this view that there's going to be this never ending decrease in price. Like it's like Moore's law. Well, it's not how it is. If the price of the inputs goes up, the price of the end product goes up. And so, you know, the price of energy has going up. So the price to manufacture polysilicon goes up, get it. And this has, a, this has an effect, right? Some investors who plow money into clean energy say higher costs have made projects 
less financially rewarding. Oh, you mean they're not just doing this as a public service? They have to actually make money? So if you have, you had for many years record low commodity prices, you had zero interest rates, you had government subsidies, and you had mandates from government, and they still are having, are going to be struggling now. What does that tell you? They don't have much wiggle room because the gusher of capital flowing into green energy has already pushed down returns on wind and solar assets. So this will be something else to watch. Uh, the view was that renewable energy would continue to get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, thus pricing fossil fuels out and solving the problem on its own on price. Well, now it appears that that may not be the case. I will tell you, in fact, it's not going to be the case because of you know the price of copper, the price of coal, the price of oil and gas, these things are going to be going up over the next decade. And then the price of these are prices of inputs into all of these type of things. And so the prices here will be going up also. And here we go. Copper inventories hitting multi-year lows. Here in whoops, here in red is the current inventories. Global global copper cathode visible stocks are at a like five-year low and going down. Um, and as uh, Shy Girl says here, with global capex in the mining sector, similar to trend, trends in oil and gas, I find this concerning. Well, let's, let's put on top of this, the recent political events in two of the top five copper producers in the world. The recent election of Pedro Castillo in Peru uh, if you know what's happened at that, I believe the name of the mine is Los Bombo, Bombos, Bambos, something like that, um, where people, indigenous population basically has they've shut the mine down, basically. And then, uh, you know, the continued talks in Peru about taxing the mining industry. This is not, you know, the type of language that's conducive to bringing new mines on, online and people investing billions of dollars of capital to do that. Now you've recently had a young man, about 30 something, a former, he's a democratic socialist, I guess, in Chile, who was recently elected. And now they're, you know, same kind of language being used, you know, power to the people, we gotta, the resources are for the people, all this kind of stuff. That doesn't mean that the copper industry is gonna go away or they're gonna go the way of Venezuela. I've talked in the newsletter why, at least in Peru, why Pedro Castillo is probably on his last legs. The same things in Chile, I mean, they have legislatures there. The legislatures are not infected with majorities of socialists. So these people are, uh, shall we say, hindered in their ability or does, uh, of what they would like to do. But that doesn't mean it doesn't create uncertainty. And uncertainty is not what investors who are getting ready to put a billion or $2 billion into a new mine want to hear. And so restricting the supply of these materials. See, this is all tying together. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to tie this together for you a little bit. The materials that are required for the green energy transition or just for life in general are becoming more and more difficult uh, to extract and more expensive to extract. And in areas that uh, are far more riskier than they were just several years ago. So please keep this in mind. Uh, you know, as I've said before, uh, Prices for these things are going to go substantially higher, I think, over this decade. I found this concerning. This is the another thing in 2022, I think it's going to be a big deal, as I've talked about, which is going to be agricultural prices. Um, India halts ag futures trading as food inflation soars. 
India's market regulator ordered a year-long suspension of futures trading in key farm commodities on Monday, as the world's biggest importer of vegetable oils and a major producer of wheat and rice struggles to tame food inflation. Remember, in a lot of these countries, developing countries, food prices are a major expense for the population. So if food prices go up 30 or 40% in the U.S., you're going to go crab about it, and you might, you know... Uh, tell a pollster that you're against Joe Biden or whatever, but this is life or death for billions of people around the world. And so the government's reacting because I'm not necessarily thinking this is a good idea. They should let the prices seek their own level and then it will ration supply. And then it will also send price signals for producers to produce more. Getting the government involved and thinking it's going to be able to ostensibly be able to control food prices by doing these things nine times out of 10 leads to the problem becoming worse, not better. Nine times out of the 10, when the government gets involved and tries to fix a problem, it gets worse. Traders said the government faced an intense pressure to rein in food prices ahead of key state elections. See, that's what they do. It's all about politics. It's always about politics. Traders said the government faced an intense pressure to rein in food prices ahead of key state elections early next year, wanted to curb, curb speculation that might have fueled the rises, might have. What's fueling the rises is a lack of supply. Small buyers and traders stand to be hardest hit by the move as it will expose them to both volatile global prices and the depreciating rupee currency, said a dealer with a global trading firm. So expect to see more of this as food prices go up next year. Um, expect to see governments that are in the past have been exporters of food to start hoarding. And I think uh, we could see substantially higher food prices next year and in the following years, as uh, we have some weather issues as the uh, global uh, temperatures, in my view, do not go the way people think. And we have other challenges to agricultural uh, growing uh, seasons, shortened growing seasons, and more volatile weather uh, as we move forward. And now you throw on top of it, the lack of natural gas because of poor government policy over the last decade, and now the shutting down of various fertilizer plants. Um, I heard from uh, one farmer, prices are up, you cannot lock in supply now, and guarantees of product are starting to become a, a thing to worry about. So we'll see if you, you know, corn is a major, needs major inputs of nitrogen, you could see people shift over to soybeans, requires less inputs, but uh, then you have corn shortages, you know, anything can happen. So, you know, remember in the midst of this, we're burning 10% of our corn crop. I think it's, well, I don't know if it's 10%, it's a large portion of our corn crop to make ethanol as a gasoline additive. I mean, the dumb, stupid policies just continue. So this was an excellent article. I, I'm going to put in, this is what I've been talking about when I talked with, um, uh, I forget his name now, but the professor of engineering from Cambridge, when we talked about the infrastructure and engineering issues around this energy transition, and this was from Apple News, I'll put a link to the article, read the whole article, I find it amusing. Again, you know, just get an electric vehicle, you know, you'll save the planet, that's where we're heading. And of course, no second or third level thinking. So uh, this goes on to talk about a family that bought a bolt. They had it plugged into a regular plug and then somebody stole the cable for the copper, some crackhead. 
And so they want to put a level two charger in their garage, uh, which is common, but that's not a 120 circuit, that's a 240 circuit. And so here's what the dilemma is. It's a level two charger are quite common, but installing one wasn't as easy as the Nelsons had thought. Level twos have about the same electrical needs as a dryer or stove. And the Nelson's house, like most older Canadian homes, was only wired for 100 amps. So they have a 100 amp service and they, uh, now this is what cracks me up. This next thing I wanna make a couple comments on, but I'll read it first. They also have a pool and air conditioning. And in the middle of summer, both the pool pump and the AC running charging the bolt could overload their electrical panel. They needed to upgrade to 200 amp service, meaning several thousand more dollars in digging up the yard to lay in the proper electrical service. So these people supposedly, I don't know their mindset, felt like, you know, I'm gonna get an electric vehicle to help the environment or to get off oil and gas. And yet they have a pool and air conditioning. Uh, this is the problem with this whole energy transition. The people are not educated. If you want to have net zero, if you want to save the planet from CO2 emissions, your standard of living needs to go down drastically. You cannot live in a house with air conditioning, central air conditioning, and a pool. Everybody cannot have these things, okay? This is, this is too extravagant of a lifestyle if we're gonna constrict energy production and energy supply. Oh, modern problems. We only have a 100 amp service and we need 200 amp service for our bolt so we can feel good and, you know, virtue signal. This is what I, this is one of the big problems I have with people in the West. Okay. They're not serious people. Okay. And there's no excuse for being ignorant or stupid anymore. The internet has been available for 20 years. Everything is out there. Okay. Uh, if you, 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 your battery has cobalt in it. Your cobalt comes from the DRC. There's child miners in the DRC. Okay. Deal with it. Okay. So that means you're okay with that. Uh, all these other things, the, you know, uh, putting a nuclear power plant on a small footprint, uh, which is the cleanest, best, safest energy source. And yet we're getting rid of it around the world and we're digging these huge and pollution holes in the ground to get copper, lithium, and all these other things out of the ground so we can make these batteries. You know, it's funny, there was a guy in Finland, he had a 2013 Tesla. He blew it up because he didn't want to pay $30,000, $30,000 for the replacement battery or something ridiculous like that. So he was on the internet, he blew the Tesla up. Anyways, here's where the nonsense gets even worse. And the lack of people understanding engineering, physics, and math, this is the problem, which I've talked about in the past. Then the Nelson's contractor gave them worse news. If three or four houses on the block all did the same upgrade, which means go to 200 amp service so they could have an electric vehicle, he said, pointing to a nearby transformer, the system would blow. Basically, he said, that hasn't changed. This whole infrastructure would need to be changed if all these houses go to 200 amps. Bingo, there's your problem. So one or two virtue signalers in a neighborhood's fine. Everybody can't have an electric car unless we upgrade the entire electrical grid. And who's going to pay for that? See, no one's thought any of this through because it's all about virtue signaling and, you know, feeling good about yourself and letting everybody look at you and see what a good pat you on the head. Oh, what a good uh, person you are. Okay. And not, none of this is thought through. So the, where are the hundreds of billions of dollars going to come from to upgrade the electrical system so we don't blow the transformers off the poles every time 
some both two people plug their Teslas in. These things were sized for certain services. Okay, it wasn't a conspiracy. There was no thought about you know unlimited amounts of supply. Okay, of electricity. And so now that decisions being made to do this, uh, where's the money going to come from? And no discussion about it. Uh, no plan presented. Just everybody get an electric vehicle will be fine. Where are you going to get the materials? Where are you going to get the copper? Where are you going to get the cobalt? Where, how's all this going to work? No plan from A to Z has been presented. It's just, let's just do this because my finger's up in the wind and this seems to be the political zeitgeist. It doesn't really matter. Uh, like I said, I, I kind of get on a soapbox here. I probably shouldn't because this just means higher energy prices and our stocks going higher. Heads I win, tails I win more. So here's an interesting article about tankers. I haven't talked about it in the past. The new um, existing energy efficiency, existing ship index that's coming out in 2023 uh, will result basically in slower steaming speeds. Less than 25% of bulkers and tankers will attain EEXI compliance. London, London headquartered broker Simpson Spence Young has crunch the numbers on what the impending new twin legislation of the energy efficiency existing ship index and the operational carbon intensity indicator will mean for the world's bunker and tanker fleets. The two environmental measures agreed upon by International Maritime Organization member states this June are set to come into law in 2023. Enforced slower steaming speeds will lead to a one to 2% fall in annual tanker and bulker fleet capacity. So this is just another bullish, um, you know, I, people want me to comment on tankers. There's not much to comment on. You just have to wait until the attrition in the fleet uh, as like every other commodity uh, type situation. So when is that going to happen? I do not know. Okay. But this now with the, I believe with the, this variant, uh, recent variant taking us to endemic status, we're going to see a return uh, to normality, hopefully in a lot of the economies. Uh, and get off the lockdown uh, circle thing that we were on, circular firing squad that we were on. And I think that, you know, the attrition of the fleets and the lack of new builds, uh, along with these new regulations, hopefully will lead to a uh, lack of supply. And then uh, as demand takes over supply, again, you don't need massive demand to overtake supply too much this commodity business, a couple percent will be enough. So it's something to do more research on and think about what this will do for shipping rates uh, in the next year or two. Okay, guys, that's it for this week. Again, the last show of the year. I thank you so much for your support. Like I said, we're up to almost 8,000 people on Twitter. We're over 8,000 subscribers on the weekly YouTubes here. This has come a long way in, 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 in a short amount of time. And so I just want to thank the viewership. This is all because of you guys. And uh, I really do appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a great journey. And like I said, uh, Merry Christmas. And I wish all of you a happy and healthy new year. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys.